College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. We're not practicing to beat somebody. We're practicing to beat everybody. Y'all understand that? We have to be at our best. We have to match intensities. Everybody has this game circled on their schedule. That could be a Heisman-defining game. Nothing's changed. There's more people are watching. This is not the Arkansas that we played last year. All bets are off. They're going to go to Georgia 4-0. The odds are stacked against us if we try to shock the world. Playing Notre Dame, playing the top five program. So that to us is a big deal. This is the best team that we've played up to this point. Week five, here we go. Hello, everybody. Happy to have you with us on this final day in September with Sam Acho and Eric McLean. I'm Wendy Nix. We have four ranked versus ranked matchups this week, and we start this afternoon between the hedges. What a matchup we've got there. Number eight, Arkansas heading to Athens to take on the second-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. The Bulldogs lead the all-time series 11-4 with the Razorbacks, only winning two times since they joined the SEC. Arkansas, however, won its last trip to Athens. The first matchup Arkansas has played in a top-10 matchup between 20, but since 2011 when it lost to number one LSU. The Hogs haven't won a road top-10 since beating number one Texas in 1964. Sam Pittman has the Razorbacks off to their first 4-0 start since 03. He heads back to Georgia, where he spent four seasons as the Bulldogs' offensive line and associate head coach. Here he is now. A lot of big games in the SEC. This is one of them. It's a little bigger, a little more personal because, you know, Georgia, um, you know, was so good to me. Kirby, I wouldn't be the head coach at Arkansas if it wasn't for Kirby Smart. So, you know, I, part of me doesn't want to – we want to take a good football team in there. I don't want to disappoint the man. I, I, I want to do a good job, and he's part of the reason why I'm here. The stakes are high anytime you play in the SEC, but uh, especially when you got – uh, two teams in the top ten matched up together in Sanford Stadium. It makes it special. Well, this game is on pace to have the largest point spread in a top ten matchup between SEC teams since the 1978 FBS-FCS split. The current high came back in 2016 when top-ranked Alabama was favored by a solid 18 points against number six Texas A&M. The Crimson Tide covered, by the way, in a 33-14 win. Sam, I'll start with you. Listen, on paper, it's a pretty big spread there. Are you buying the differential between these two teams? Man, y'all need to stop looking at paper and start watching the film. I'm getting chills just <laughs> listening to some of these Arkansas players and their coach. I've been watching Arkansas for a long time. I called the Texas game a few weeks ago when, when Arkansas demolished Texas. I called the game after that. So I watched this team. Offensively, K.J. Jefferson can do it all. Not only can he run the ball, but he can also throw the ball. He proved it last week. And then, so look at him. Like, against Texas, they ran for over 330 yards against Texas. He's calm in the pocket. He's cool. He's collected. He, he had a shot. He shied against Georgia Southern two weeks ago, but it was Georgia Southern. Then he went out and did it again against A&M, the number one rushing defense at that time. He did it. He shined through for over 200 yards. So that's their offense. But then defensively, they got two players by the name of Hayden Henry and Bumper Pole playing inside linebacker, and both those guys can play. That team loves to hunt, and Arkansas is in for a treat. Every Arkansas fan's in for a treat. It's going to be a great game. 
Come on, Sam. I'm right there with you, man. How about the disrespect for Arkansas? I mean, 18 and a half points. That's crazy. They always say Vegas knows somehow, uh, but I know what I see on tape, and, and these guys are ready to play. You kind of have that unstoppable force, immovable object with the Arkansas rush attack and that Georgia defense. The one thing that I am interested to see when you look at Georgia's opponents offensively, they, they have not played a top tier caliber offense yet. You're talking about teams in the hundreds and high 90s. So this will be the first real test uh, for these Georgia Bulldogs, which is crazy to think the Clemson Tigers on that schedule, but offensively just not ready and at this caliber. So excited to see you know, what can Arkansas do offensively? And then for Georgia, JT Daniels banged up. How much is that going to affect him? He is sounding like he's getting his big tight end back, Washington, who, man, I think that could really open up the offense, just to have another playmaker, another big tight end that, golly, six foot seven, 260, 250, he, he's a freak out on the edge. I tell you what, guys, I happen to agree. I know it's uh, decided between the lines, but there are some intangibles here. And Sam Pittman, uh, they, are, they are buying what he's selling. We watched a piece yesterday. It's really fun to see the culture he's instilling in Arkansas. I think we're all in for a pretty great matchup. Meanwhile, all eyes on two guys who used to be on the same sidelines. They were college football's odd couple. The brash, then young Lane Kiffin paired with one of the greatest coaches <laughs> of all time, Alabama's Nick Saban. And you know what? They got it done, perhaps because of, and night in spite of, their differences. This weekend, they match up on opposite sidelines for the third time. Here's both coaches on their relationship. I would not, without a doubt, would not be here today without him. And I would not be, you know, as prepared for this job, and not to sound arrogant, but as good as I am, you know, without him and learning from him. And so, you know, I would thank him. There's been a lot of good coaches here. Uh, a lot of them have gotten opportunities, and a lot of them have really good teams now. Uh, so I think it's inevitable that uh, somebody that coached here before is going to have an opportunity to have success against Alabama. I, don't, I, I think that's inevitable. Chris Lowe and Alex Scarborough have an article out right now on ESPN.com about the unique relationship between Kiffin and Saban. And Chris, I'll start with you. For two very disparate personalities, how did these two pull it off? Well, first of all, Nick Saban's probably a much better listener than people give him credit for. And he's always looking for new ideas, new ways to do things. He's adapted and he's evolved. And then Lane Kiffin, for a guy who likes to color outside the lines, I don't think he really minded, you know, having Nick Saban sort of scrutinize him, sort of to, to be on top of him when things didn't go wrong. That didn't phase Lane Kiffin. He continued to do what he did, and together they were able to sort of transform that Alabama offense. They sure were, Alex, and it's had to transform again. Tell us about this new iteration of the Alabama offense and why it's worked so well. As Chris points out, this was Nick and Lane sort of coming together to form the basis of the offense we see today. Neither one of them had much of a background with the spread, hurry up, RPO style that we're seeing now. But there was studying that went into that. Lane Kiffin talked to Tom Herman. He talked to uh, Chip Kelly as well. And, and he really pared down the terminology and he pared down the size of the playbook, allowing them to play faster. Then you see a Mike Loxley come in who had a lot of experience with the run-pass option. And then Steve Sarkeesian took it to a whole other level. Uh, the, the playbook sort of expanded, but also the talent pool. With three quarterbacks now playing in the NFL, 
and a handful of receivers as well. It's just gone off those two things in tandem. What's interesting, Chris, Nick Saban talks in your article about sort of revealing his secrets or at least what offensively had given his team trouble. And it says that Kiffin took copious notes. And then what do you know? It showed up again when he faced his former employer. He was a good student, and I'm not sure Nick Saban was real happy about that. The truth is, though, when he told me that story, I think it, he was almost said it admiringly. You know, that here's a guy that was with him for three years, and yeah, they butted heads from time to time, but the entire three years, there's Lane Kiffin writing down every single play that Nick Saban complained about or bellyached about having to defend. Well, when they got ready to play last year, guess what? Lane Kiffin had that entire notebook of those plays and said he ran every single one of them against – Nick Saban of that Alabama offense last year. Look, I'm sure he didn't like it, but you can't, you can't blame him. Gentlemen, thank you. If you haven't read their article, again, it's fascinating. Out on ESPN.com right now. Time for our Weekend Wake Up, brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast. Saturday will feature a showdown between Heisman co-favorites in Tuscaloosa. Matt Corral leads the SEC in total offense, 365 yards, 85 yards per game, while Bryce Young has thrown an SEC best 15 touchdown passes. Eric, tell me now, can Ole Miss pull off the upset? I think so, Wendy. You know, when you look at this offense led by Matt Corral and what they're able to do, it's going to be fun to watch. The RPO game is almost unstoppable when Matt Corral is running that thing at full speed and, and his running attack himself, the patience that he has in the pocket, and then, of course, the big arm that we have seen from him. You have to be confident in any team if you have a quarterback like that with, when you're walking into a place, especially like Alabama, playing a team of that caliber. You, you have to be confident. But the run game and then the defense, guys, I've been very impressed with the improvement that we have seen from Ole Miss on the defensive side of the ball. You know, in years past, we used to have to say, okay, Ole Miss might have to trick these guys or they might have to, you know, pull a, pull a fast one on them here or there. Sam, I think these guys can just line up and play, or do you agree that maybe it might be more of the same from all Alabama? Well, I think we'll see more of the same of what we saw last year because last year Ole Miss played Alabama, and Ole Miss pretty much lined up and played. And the reason that game got a little bit out of hand, 63-48, was because of some late turnovers by Ole Miss. That was the only way they stopped themselves. And so I think about this. I think about uh, Matt Corral, and he's phenomenal throwing the ball we talked about, but we kind of sleep on his running attack game, right? Yes, the RPO action is there. Yes, he does a lot of sights, like quick, pat, quick game. I get that. But when Matt Corral has the ball in his hand and keeps it, he can make plays. So that's number one, why Ole Miss could beat Alabama. But number two, which is probably even more important, is that Alabama's defense has some question marks. And I think Florida exposed that a few weeks ago. Florida did a ton of motion, a ton of empty. I think they had motion on 46% of their snaps. And it got some of the Alabama inside linebackers, Toe Toe, some of those guys confused. And so I think if Ole Miss goes with that same strategy that they did last year when they were number one offense, if they continue what they're doing this year, number one offense, they're going to see a lot of success from Ole Miss. And you might just see an upset. 111 combined points the last time these two teams got together. By the way, Nick Saban, you've heard us say it before, undefeated, a perfect record against former assistants. At some point, and you heard him say it as well, that streak will be broken.
What a weekend in store as we look ahead to week five of college football. Three big SEC matchups on ESPN and the app. Both at number eight, Arkansas, number two, Georgia, both four and oh. Then at six o'clock, number 10, Florida at Kentucky. And then the nightcap, how about Auburn in Death Valley to face LSU? What a college football Saturday. Still to come here on College Football Live, Notre Dame coming off a huge win last week against Wisconsin. Now, though, another tough test. Cincinnati up next. College Football Live is presented by delicious ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. And in part by Allstate. Save money like a champion with Allstate. College Football Live, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not just about the SEC. How about this matchup on Saturday as well? Number seven, Cincinnati, heading to South Bend to face number nine, Notre Dame. The Bearcats have started the season 3-0, including a win two weeks ago over Indiana. It's a big game. Anyway, you slice it. Here's Cincy head coach Luke Fickle. There's nothing that needs to be said. Everybody knows what it's all about. Everybody's going to be excited. Um, it's more about being able to get those guys to control the emotions. And our ultimate goal is to win a conference championship and then, you know, playing a New Year's Six or the college playoffs. And I think, you know, this is just one step um, in our way. Anytime you get two teams that are matched uh, in the top ten, it's, uh, it's exciting. So we're up for the challenge, and I know they are too. They're excited. Um, it'll be a great college football game. Sam, what's your read on the Fighting Irish so far? I've been excited. I've been really excited to watch their defense grow. So Marcus Freeman, he was the former defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. He led Cincinnati to a top five defense last year. Well, now that same Marcus Freeman is at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame started off a little bit sluggish defensively, but every single week they've gotten better. Going back to last week against Wisconsin, where we all saw the fourth quarter, all those pick sixes. It was fun to watch as a defensive-minded guy. So I'm excited to see that. <laughs> But also, there's a guy on the other side of the ball by the name of Desmond Ritter. He's going to try to have to avoid throwing picks to that guy, Kyle Hamilton, and that Notre Dame defense. Desmond Ritter can flat out play. This Cincinnati team, they want to throw the ball over top of you. They want to get it deep. But even if they don't get it deep, Desmond Ritter can do it with his legs. So that's what I love to watch about him. The only questions I have with Cincinnati, offensive line, left tackle, right tackle, I've seen them get beat a couple times. So if I'm Desmond Ritter, got to be a little bit aware of what's going on on the outside of you. But once again, I'm excited to watch this game. I think Notre Dame wins it because that defense is so stellar, but it's going to be a really, really good game. Sam, Ritter is going to have to have an excellent game and, and really his first of the year and, and just having uh, an excellent game where he's taking the top off using his legs. As you mentioned, a guy you want to avoid, Kyle Hamilton. He, he's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He's the best safety in the country. Kyle Hamilton can hurt you so many different ways. And then you look at the offense for Notre Dame. Lost four offensive line to the NFL. Lost their quarterback that have been there for so long. Wide receiver position. Everyone is gone. The two that are still there with Chris Tyree uh, and, and Williams able to do the crazy running attack that we thought but it hasn't been there. Kyron Williams, we thought he was going to take off and really be a great duo 
for the two of these guys and they just quite haven't figured it out. You see the stat there, 2.3 per an attempt. That's not what Notre Dame is used to doing. So do they figure that out? Can they get to where, okay, we can run the football? A lot of question marks up front, as I mentioned. Those guys are not used to this type of ball. It's going to be a very interesting matchup, especially against this Cincinnati defense that wants to get after you. They do want to. And if you're Cincinnati, you have to love this opportunity. That's not why they're going. Of course, they want to win, but you got to like the chance at least. And as I mentioned before, speaking of chances, there's plenty at stake in this game Saturday in South Bend. Take a look at the All-State playoff predictor. Notre Dame, one of seven teams with at least a 20% chance to reach the playoff. That would jump up to 31% for the Irish with a win on Saturday. A loss would drop their chances to just eight. So it will make a difference. Let's take a look, too, at our Dr. Pepper championship drive. Game of the Week preview. We've also got Stanford, who will host an Oregon team that leads the FBS in opponent turnovers and turnover differential this season. The Ducks, by the way, have the fourth highest chance to make the playoffs. Tonight, we get started early, 7.30 on ESPNU. It's Arkansas Pine Bluff taking on Prairie View A&M. It's a matchup of two high-powered offenses. The Golden Lions averaging over 31 points per game, while the Panthers 406.5. That's almost 407 yards of offense. Here's Tiffany Green and Jay Walker. SWAC West showdown from the Lone Star State. Arkansas Pine Bluff trying to put last Thursday's disappointing loss in the rearview mirror, Jay. If they want to defend their spring division title, this is a must win for the Golden Lions. Yeah, Doc Gamble has his work cut out for him. Last week, they gave away a football game in which they were in control. But make no doubt about it, this is a very talented Golden Lions ball club. But if they lose today, their championship hopes are over. That's because Prairie View A&M atop of the SWAC West standings, and they are in the driver's seat currently, but they will need their transfer QB, Jawan Pass, to keep them headed in the right direction. And you want to watch Prairie View A&M on offense. They have one of the most creative offenses you will find in HBCU football. And when their quarterback pass, who has a great name for a quarterback, by the way, but when he's going good, this offense is unstoppable. It all depends on the quarterback play of Jawan Pass. Should be an excellent game tonight. You can catch it on ES. SPNU at 7:30. Guys, thank you. Alabama A&M's Akil Glass leads the conference in touchdown passes, while Jackson State Shadour Sanders, son of Hall of Famer and coach Dion Sanders, leads the SWAC in completion percentage. What leads us to say at your mind? Well, it's the wacky, the crazy, and everything in between. Sam tells you what caught his attention in Week Four. That's coming up. College Football Live is presented by delicious ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. I had that beard. It looks great with these uniforms. It most certainly does not. I feel ridiculous. You think these were meant for the Glee Club? Hey guys, y'all want to play some football? Hey, let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Let's play. Have you ever heard of the flying wedge before? Hey guys, 
How would y'all like to demonstrate the deadliest play in football history? Yeah. Hey, put down that cheese wedge and help us demonstrate the flying wedge. Great. Let's go. Thanks. All right, guys. When we form our wedge, we need to attack the single weakest player on defense. Ready? Ready. How do you like them apples? <laughs> Eli's Place is now streaming. You know what else is uh, streaming? Atu, mind, Sam, tell us exactly what caught your eye. I, I know, I, I think Santa probably made the cut, but I'll let you tell us. Well, it was three plays that made me go out show mine. Play number one. I know it's September. It's not even October yet, but it's beginning to look a <laughs> lot like Christmas. Santa Claus at the Texas game with the touchdown for the win. Nobody was stopping anybody. It was 70 to 35 at this game, Texas versus Texas Tech. Santa Claus wanted to get in on the action. Play number two. Weber State cheerleading makes the catch. Mind you, quick shout out to Weber State cheerleading. They are the 2021 Grand National Champs. And this is part of the reason why. If you haven't watched their video, go watch their championship dance. It looks a little bit like that. And last but not least, ref, ref eating Skittles. All right, I know players are getting NIL deals, <laughs> but I didn't know that referees got NIL deals too. We're not supposed to talk about them on TV, but this ref, you're eating Skittles. Hopefully they pay you your money. <laughs> yeah, Marshawn Lynch on line one. Pay the the ref with I the NIL deal. Come on. Santa. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? I don't know. He's on TV. Maybe. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.